The Zoo's News Podcast is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its sponsors, guests, or even its viewers. Content provided in this program is in no way medical or legal advice. We encourage the listeners to do their own research. So do your own research, you lazy fucking bitches. Now enjoy the show. Please follow The Zoo's News on Instagram and Twitter. Listen to the podcast on Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Spricker.com, and www.thezoosnews.com. Yo, we're not the black news, the white news. We're not the left news or the right news. We're not the gay news, no, we tell it straight news. We're not the Jews news, bitch, we're the Zeus news. We're not the black news, the white news. We're not the left news or the right news. We're not the gay news, no, we tell it straight news. We're not the Jews news, bitch, we're the Zeus news. Yo. Hello, friends. It's me, the Conspiracy Ape. Me, the Culture Cat. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode of the Zoo's News Presents. Here at the Zoo's News Podcast, we record one podcast a week covering uh, current events and subject matter that may not be very digestible in the distant future. So, Culture Cat and I decided to do one podcast a month that is dedicated to one interesting-ass subject that will last the test of time. With that said... Let us begin. Episode one of the Zoo's News presents Marvin Hemeyer and his Killdozer. Our sources this episode is Marvin's home tape recordings, the documentary Tread trailer, and Wikipedia, and some YouTube shit. All right. 911 what's your emergency? Ask them to help us get a national guard unit, maybe with a helicopter to stop. Who was Marvin Hemeyer? Marvin John Hemeyer is the hero or the villain of our story, depending on how you see it. Haymeyer was born in the fall of 1951 on the 28th day of October in South Dakota. Being a patriot, being a patriotic American, Haymeyer decided to join the United States Air Force. His military career took him to the beautiful state of Colorado and eventually to the town of Granby. And Granby is where our crazy epic story takes place. Marvin was a very respected welder and an automobile muffler repair shop owner. In the community. According to his friends and his family, Hemeyer had many good, healthy relationships and was known to be a reason to have reasonably good character. Marvin loved a snowmobile, which is pretty gangster. I've always wanted a snowmobile, but that's neither here nor there. He even had a group of riders that he bonded with and he'd go on trips with, and he also mentored a, a couple young men. So, I mean, he. That, that's interesting that he had relationships with a lot of people that had credibility and a lot of people to vouch for him and his character. He, he, he was known to uh, be a good man, which makes his story even more interesting. So. My name is Marvin Hemar. He had a great reputation in the town. I mean, he was an outdoorsman. I didn't ever meet anybody who disliked him. Marv had a knack for welding, working on engines and motors. He was confident, and I thought he was handsome. He was larger than life. But I didn't get that feeling that he was so angry. No one realized. So what was the dispute? In 1992, 
Hemeyer purchased two acres of land for 42000 in an auction to build a muffler shop, outbidding his future foes. That Cody fucker. Marv originally bought the property that he was on in a public auction. They were selling FDIC foreclosed properties. 3000 square foot building. I had two acres of ground. They had a bid for $35,000 from some guy up front. So finally they caught my bid, so I got the guy bid for 40 and this other guy jumped up on his chair. I've come to find out his name was Cody Dochev. Cody Dochev is the owner of Mountain Park Concrete. The Dochevs were looking for land upon which to put this concrete operation with an indoor batch plant. Dochev also showed up with Gus Harris. Gus Harris was his buddy there sitting beside him. Gus was sponsoring the whole financing on this thing and Gus wasn't going to pay more than 50 grand for it. And I was waiting for him to bid, and he wouldn't bid. So I got the property. Marv says that after he got the property, he was accosted by Cody. This guy came back there and introduced himself to me. About the rudest, most arrogant person. I mean, this guy's just a fucking asshole. Come back and just introduced himself by giving me a tongue lasher for about 10 minutes. I mean, this is the only guy of all the properties that sold before his that was doing any screaming at anybody during the auction. So, yeah, the following is going to be from Wikipedia. He subsequently agreed to sell the land to Cody Dochev to build a concrete batch plant, Mountain Park Concrete, for $250,000. According to Susan Dochev, Haymeyer changed his mind and increased the price to 375 then to a deal worth approximately $1 million. Some believe that this negotiation happened before the rezoning proposal was heard by the town council in 2001. Granby Zoning Commission and trustees approved the construction of the concrete plant. Hemeyer unsuccessfully appealed the decision, claiming the construction blocked access to his shop. He was subsequently fined $2,500 by the town council and city judge for various violations, including not being hooked up to the sewer line. He had initially been unable to connect to the sewer line as the line ran 60 feet away from his property, and the city expected him to pay the nearly $80,000 cost of laying the connector. After the concrete plant was built, the city council denied him the easement necessary to join the line underneath it. In Marv's mind, the town's not treating him fairly. It's a kind of a community that in order for you to get ahead, you have to keep the neighbor down. Marvin felt like he was like totally taken advantage of. Uh, Felt like his hand was forced, felt disenfranchised, backed in a corner, powerless, angry. He felt as if the members of his community in Granby were conspiring against him. I never had anybody sit there and plan to cut me out of a, an opportunity like the Thompsons did when they denied me access to the sanitation district. It doesn't make any sense other than that it was the good old boys patting each other on the back. Had they not done that, I can assure you, the outcome, the whole thing, He continued to lose money, to fight and lose in the courts until he just had nothing left to fight with. Wait, can we can we talk about the 
the connection to the to the line because I think that's you can see like we should talk about the beef a little bit before it escalates. Um, the the our our guy Marvin Hemeyer purchased this this land and then was going to sell it to the guy to start his concrete company and he kept moving up and up which would totally piss me off. I mean like that's that's not cool, right? Like you would agree, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the more and more I looked into it, he was getting he was definitely getting fucked with. Yeah, well, I mean, so Hemeyer was like doing it to this Cody guy, Koji or whatever his name is. Cody, Cody Dochif. Do- Cody Dochif, 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 that's right. So he He's like, okay, I'll sell it to you for this much. And the guy's like, okay, cool. And he's like, wait, nah, I'll sell it to you for this much. He's like, okay, cool. So then that guy gets pissed off that Hemeyer won't sell him this thing for a fair price. And then the the town finds out that Hemeyer's muffler shop is not hooked up to the sewer line. And like, how do you feel about that? Do you who whose responsibility well, would it be to put? He bought the land for forty two thousand dollars, and it was going to cost him roughly eighty thousand dollars just to run the sewer line to it. So it does seem like it was political trying to force him out of his muffler shop for the concrete. It mm-hmm. seems like that Cody Dochif dude was homeboys with the, like the Thompson family that would pretty much own the town. Yeah, uh, it, it seemed like a lot of very powerful people were conspiring against him for that bit of land that he wasn't supposed to get. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's what yeah. that's what it, I I got. So then, after this whole back and forth thing, he gets fined for not having his connection to the sewer line, um, twenty five hundred dollars, I think you said, and yeah. and then he even he writes a check for the fine and i think in the memo he wrote he wrote it was to like he just he wrote something bad like derogatory in like the memo mm-hmm. to pay the fine so they 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 wouldn't clear it they didn't clear it so he got like fined again or whatever they like fined him like the check was bad yeah okay so it was just a, a bunch of shit that like the whole he felt like the town was fucking with him so uh-huh. then after after the, the sewer line <clears throat> dispute or, or the, the thing about, you know, paying and then that check, all that stuff, then the city gets together and they, they rearrange the property and they they allow, they approve the, the building for of this concrete plant. And now the concrete plant is in between the sewer line and the muffler shop. And because of that, now the concrete company won't let him connect to the sewer line. So even if he's willing to pay the $80,000 just to say, fuck you, this is mine forever, the concrete place won't let him dig under and get to the to the sewer line. So now he's really fucked, right? Now he doesn't have a chance, a choice in any of this. Yeah. Okay. You just feel for this dude. And he just, he continued to fight in court until like it was just pointless. Losing his money. Yep. So yeah, he continued to lose his money to fight and lose in the courts until he just had nothing left to fight with. Enough is enough. I'm not going to take it anymore. So what does Marvin do next? <clears throat> he buys a Kamatsu D uh, three F or what D 
355A. I don't know if I'm saying that right because I'm not it's a bulldozer guy. Yeah, Komatsu, bulldozer from California and parks it facing his rival's concrete plant before rolling it into his muffler shop, which which barely fits inside of uh, of his muff of his uh, little warehouse garage thing. Yeah, so this, and this, this Komatsu was in excellent condition. If any Komatsu D355 should have brought 54000 which is what I had it at, that one should have. I was willing at the auction to take 33000 for it. Couldn't get a bid. I got a $20,000 bid. That was the only real bid we got. Well, I had 24000 in it. I'm not going to sell it for that, especially when Richie Brothers says it's worth forty three. So I kept the dozer. What was unique, after everything's gone, I find out that the dozer is two inches shorter than 12 feet and will go into the storage building. It is one inch narrower than the door. If I take the little uh, bottom, the out edge, the edging grousers off or whatever they call them on the dozer blade, if I take those off, that dozer will go in my storage building. So I says, well, let's put it inside because then I can build it to do what I am supposed to do. And I could not believe it. I put up a four by eight piece of plywood on each side of the door so that the blade would go through, drove that thing up there, got out to where the cab was close to the door, checked the clearance, and I had two, three inches of clearance. I drove it right in there. It fit through that door so tight you almost had to grease it to get it in there. Why did that particular dozer fit in the building? Why had I not bought one of the D9s at that Fresno auction? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. You know, a D9's got more horsepower. It's probably more dependable than a Komatsu. <laughs> if I'd have bought one of them, I'd have never got it in that building because they, they were much taller than the Komatsu was. So so I'm thinking, well, this is good. I get it inside. Now I can build it. Must be what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So what were you going to say before Marvin really interrupted you? <laughs> I was going to say that this, this bulldozer is, is huge. Like it's a big. Yeah. It's not really just like are. a. Yeah. But I mean like. But we, yeah. It, it's short enough. Apparently it was a, a rare enough model that was shorter to fit inside apparently according to this guy he's starting to sound a little nutty like you feel for him and you empathize with them but you do see the nutty side of him for sure you gotta be a little nutty to do what he did though so yeah i think he starts looking for signs um and then he starts thinking that god like you 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 just heard in that clip where he said yeah. he's kind of alluding to the fact like well if anything else would have happened this wouldn't have been able to be built yep. um and so it's it, he's lost i mean he's really de- he's really desperate so. Yeah, man. Backed in the corner. And also, yeah, no wives, no kids, no foundation to talk him out of. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he was all alone. In that nothing to shop. lose, I suppose. You know, once you take away his business, you take away the only thing he had left and he doesn't really have a wife or children or anything else. Yeah. But, and yeah. he his his main skill, how he makes his living is welding. And that's his muffler shop. And so now he he has this giant, um, but but also compact <laughs> um, bulldozer that he can now start fortifying with metal. So 
Yeah. So Marvin uses his skills to masterfully modify the bulldozer into a little tank designed for destruction. He welded slabs of steel together with concrete in the middle. So like a little a sandwich. Steel, slab, concrete, steel, slab. This made for a machine impervious to most firepower and resistant to small explosives. We know this because three external explosives and ex- explosions and more than 200 rounds of ammo were fired at the bulldozer. It had no effect on it. This huge monstrosity. It looks like a tank. How do I stop this? Emeyer mounted cameras on the outside of the bulldozer with monitors on the inside for him to visually operate the machine. He even installed air pressure rigs to clear dust and debris away from the camera's view. He had made three gun ports fitted for a 50 caliber uh, rifle. In a, in a half a year, Marvin constructed this killdozer during the night hours so he wouldn't be discovered. He finally finished, and he was ready for what he believed was his God-given destiny, like you were saying. If I would have been married, had a family, you know, things may have gone different. But God built me for this job. He rewarded me for 45, 50 years with the lifestyle that I am so thankful for. And, and, and it's unfortunate. The poor people in Granby, so many of them were so jealous of my lifestyle that I could come and go as I pleased. Well... God blessed me in advance for the task that I am about to undertake. It was sometime in 2001, I believe, that the peace, I, I mean, I wept at times trying to understand why this was happening to me. And to do what I had to do to make these people listen, to learn, was just above me. And when I realized that one day when I was sitting in the hot tub, and I mean I was I was weeping, a peace came over me that has only come over me a few times before in my life, where I knew that what I was doing was tough, but it was the right thing, and that it was above me. It wasn't me. I was doing this because God wanted me to do it. And I didn't understand it. I said, why did you ask me to do this? Is that why I've never been married? So I didn't have a family? Is that why I've always been successful? So that I would realize my reward before doing this task? Had I not carried my cross earlier? And now God had prepared me to carry this cross? I believe so. And I'm carrying the cross willingly now. At first, I fought it. But it has to be done. And the world will write stories about how wrong I am and everything. And without a doubt, I wish it could be done a different way. But there is no way to make this right. Chilling. Chilling recording. Yeah, it's, it, the, the, the thing everybody should know and, and we should be reminded of is that this man is not talking about hurting anybody or killing anyone physically. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like like if if this was 
where in a, a situation where someone got shot or or hurt or it was a rampage where people lost their lives, that would be a lot more chilling. But it's it's just eerie because you, what he's saying is it's not hurting people, but it's still really creepy. Like, what is he doing? What's his goal? You know? Yeah. No one to talk him out of it. He just yeah. felt very alone and vulnerable and angry and just fucking disenfranchised. And I wonder if he was doing drugs or drinking or That'd anything be, at all. I'd be interested to know as well. So what happened June 4th, 2004? God expects me to do something to those who kept me from getting what I deserve. God's will be done. Through me. Marvin, Marvin Hemeyer quote, I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. All right. This following is from Wikipedia. Hemeyer drove his armored bulldozer through the wall of his former business, the concrete plant, the town hall, the office of the local newspaper that editorialized against him, the home of the former mayor in which the mayor's widow then resided, and a hardware store owned by another man he might named in the lawsuit, as well as a few others. 911 had leased his business to a trash company and sold the property several months before the rampage. The attack lasted for two hours and seven minutes, damaging 13 buildings, knocking out natural gas service to the town hall and the concrete plant, damaging a truck and destroying part of the utility service center. The damage was estimated at $7 million. Whoa. Two problems arose as Hemeyer destroyed the Gamble's hardware store. The radiator of the bulldozer had been damaged and the engine was leaking various fluids, and Gamble's had a small basement. The bulldozer's engine failed, and Hemeyer dropped one tread into the basement, so it got stuck and could not get out. But a minute later, one of the SWAT members swarmed around the machine, reported hearing a single gunshot from inside the sealed cab. On April 19th, 2005, the town announced plans to scrap Bulldozer. The plan involved disappearing individual pieces to many separate scrapyards to prevent souvenir taking, which is whack as fuck. So, yeah. $7 million. $7 million. That was, that's what he took out before he left. Wow. Most people won't make $7 million in a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, it's 
who pays it though? Is it the city? Like everyone in the city has to pay for it, or you know, I mean, it's it is a weird. It's a really weird situation. Like, what's your take on it? Is he a hero? Is he a villain? It's a fun story. That's for damn sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy he didn't kill anybody except for himself. Like, he was going to go out anyway, and he didn't have a family. Like, that's whatever. That's his own business. But seven million dollars is—it's a—he did a good—he did a a good um, a good chunk of damage there. Yeah, and some things I I I forgot to throw in there is he he put those gun holes in there, and he he didn't apparently some people some people say he shot at people, but. A lot of people say he didn't shoot at people, and the only thing he really shot at was the propane tank. He was trying to shoot the city's propane tank, which is still pretty fucking destructive. But that is the evidence of that. That seems like what he, what he was trying to do with the gun holes was trying to shoot out those those gas lines. There's no direct evidence that he was shooting at humans. No no one got injured. Either way, I thought that was interesting, and um. Also, I didn't mention that he couldn't get out if he wanted to get out. He built the tank so he was fucked. He lowered, he had a crane lower the top of the crane while he was in it. So that was him pretty much saying, I'm fucking, I'm not getting out of this thing. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Like, yeah, for sure, he chilling. knew he was going to kill himself at the end of it. Yeah. Um, I have a, a, what's up? It's just a really interesting story with that has multiple sides and and uh, the public's opinion can be swayed depending on you know which which information you let out and which information you don't. And I yeah. think that there was something with the city news building. He attacked the front the whole front half of that of a news building because they had reported something about him that wasn't the correct. Newspaper, yeah. Yeah, so it, it it just it's it's a very um, magnified. It's pretty gangster. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oops, sorry, I didn't not encouraging it though, folks. I'm not encouraging violence. Don't don't get it twisted. Well, buildings aren't humans. That's true. Remember? Yeah. So <laughs> I thought it was interesting when I first started re- uh, researching the topic. I was on YouTube and on the web, and I got way more of an idea that. Hemeyer was just a normal dude who was misunderstood and felt disenfranchised and was a very smart man technically and a good builder and welder and crafter. And, you know, he's a story of when a smart man feels taken advantage of and fucked over and has nothing to lose, you know. And then that's the, that's the idea I got from the web. And then when I saw Tread on Netflix, that documentary seemed to be pushing more of a narrative that he's like a crazy person, you know, and that the the whole God influence, Jesus influence drove him to like madness and to be, I got more of a negative, um, a negative narrative out of Netflix than I did out of everything else. And I thought that was interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's like Netflix seems to be an outlet everything seems to be an outlet for propaganda but netflix seems to be like going going hard with it well i think a really big one is that is that documentary to make a murderer yeah, also sorry i don't want to 
it is worth watching. So you guys should definitely watch Tread. It's free on uh, YouTube as well if you don't want to support Netflix, which you shouldn't. So I support that. If you don't want to support Netflix, it is on YouTube. It's called Tread. T-R-E-A-D, Tread. Super interesting. So I have a question for you here. Yo. Would Marvin be considered a domestic terrorist in 2021? Would the Patriot Act apply to Marvin? Um, if they wanted it to, yes. (laughs) Um, if they want to, anything can fall under that, which is why it's so shitty. But, um, I I don't, I really don't know. Isn't it interesting to think of the narrative from 2004 to 2021? In 2004, I think he he was considered way more of like an outlaw, fuck the man, punk rock. And I think today, if that happened, he would be like a bad, bad, bad guy. I mean, it really depends. I know it's, I'm not joking when I say this. It really depends on his skin color and who was in the city council, meaning were they Republican or Democrat? I'm not kidding when I say that because I just threw out one of their arguments from like what, what he did was very dangerous and very, he got lucky by not killing anybody. I mean, the, 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 the killdozer was going so slow. I mean, it's a, you know, it's yeah, it was tread. methodical. They had enough time to get everybody. Yeah. They knew sure. like, so it's, nobody was in the buildings, but you know, it, it, the whole buildings aren't people thing was what the, was what the Democrats were chanting when they were rioting in the streets with BLM and all that stuff. So it really depends on who was in city council. Were they Democrats or Republicans? Yeah. Um, and- I like how it was called the killdozer, but not one thing was killed other than buildings, which were repaired. But not one death, and it's called the killdozer. Makes it sound sexier, but not very yeah. accurate. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because it had it looked like it was so intimidating and it had the ability to, but it is interesting how they, they you know, you, just naming something changes your people's perspective on it. So. Yeah. I, so, I think it. I think it would if the people in city council were Democrats, and it, I think he would be still labeled as an outlaw if they were if they were Republican. So we're gonna listen to one last little clip, and this is of a, a, a television show. I thought that this was an interesting package. <laughs> interesting package, big too. It's a big, interesting. Veiny, girthy <laughs> package. This incredible, monstrous uh, armored bulldozer was basically going from one side of this building to the other, uh, tearing it down. I had no idea how we were going to stop it. Crushing cars like toys, the strange looking contraption suddenly turns on Pichaki. At this point, I'm backing up my patrol car as he's coming towards me. The deputy's walking alongside of it, continuing the fire. Armed with assault rifles, the armored bulldozer seems impervious to bullets. Now you can see the deputies responding. You can hear the gunfire and see the shots striking the bulldozer, but they're not stopping it. But who's at the controls of this powerful machine? A local resident offers a chilling answer. She tells police that the 60-ton bulldozer belongs to Marvin Hemeyer. Everybody in town, including the cops, know about Hemeyer. He's a local welder who's furious with the town council 
for a recent zoning decision that he claims cost him his business. And he's openly vowed revenge. That changed things considerably because then I realized that the entire town of Granby was in danger as well. After Trainer gets a closer look at the bulldozer, he realizes just how fanatical Hemeyer is. He's encased it in a concrete shell and an inch of double-plated steel, making it virtually impenetrable. The fact that he had rifles sticking out basically three of the four sides of that bulldozer showed me that, that his intent was to use deadly force in, in whatever way he could to accomplish his mission. As Hemeyer continues his rampage, his vengeful plan soon becomes clear. It was becoming evidence he was targeting buildings that were associated with town government of Grandy, the town board members, the mayor, ex-mayor. Area SWAT teams arrive to join the battle, but they're helpless as Hemeyer continues to demolish the town. Unable to slow him down, the undersheriff gives the order to evacuate. Our purpose at that point was just to get as many people as possible out of the town. But before residents have a chance to flee, Hemeyer turns his assault vehicle toward a propane plant. It's located near a residential neighborhood, and an explosion here could put hundreds of lives at risk. With time running out, the authorities decide to fight fire with fire. They send in the biggest piece of equipment they can find, a giant scraper to square off against Hemeyer's bulldozer. It seems to work. Hemeyer veers away from the volatile tanks to meet the scraper's challenge. The two big machines face off. It's like some Godzilla versus Bigfoot shit. It really is. A fucking scraper versus his little, his little, his giant fucking killdozer. It's hilarious. I love it. But the scraper is no match for Hemeyer's steel-plated monster. Of course it's not. <laughs> of course. Everyone, you should watch this video, by the way. You get the video of the scraper versus the killdozer. It's it, actually a scraper. What, what, like, can you describe what a scraper is? Dude, I don't know what the fuck a scraper does, and it'd be hard to describe what it looks like, but if you saw it, you would, you would recognize it. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what the fuck it does or what it is. Yeah, like, doesn't it look like one of those things that, like, gets crops out of the field? Exactly. Yes. And it's, it's like, it's it like, that's what it looks like, Bob. Really long and, I mean, it's made, it's look big. Look at the video, people. Yeah, it's, fucking, it's long, it's but it looks cool. like it kind of looks like a like a praying mantis. A little to be bit. honest with you, I am surprised how the killdozer manhandled it because they both are are big. They're big machines, and the killdozer is impressive. It's like, whoa, that's horsepower. You can't yeah. stop that thing. No. He basically pushed every piece of equipment that we put in his way right out of the way. You know, there was nothing that we had that that could have stopped it. Thankfully, Hemeyer forgets about the propane tax. But he's intent on causing even more destruction. But there's a problem, and police sense it. A lot of smoke was coming out of it, and he really began losing power. Is it? He's lucky that like smoke didn't get inside and just smoke his ass out. Fucking yeah, that's very true. I had that thought the other day. Like, if if it, when his radiator breaks and his his engine goes out, I'm surprised he didn't get smoked out. But then again, I did think he he had to install like oxygen tanks and shit so he could breathe in there. 
He had to do some. I mean, he he installed televisions and cameras, and then you said yeah, he put dope. he did what in front of in front of the cameras so that, that that they couldn't. He he installed these hydraulics, uh, like a hydraulic system that would blow air to like to blow the debris when the debris falls over the cameras and, and it covers up the cameras, dust and debris and and shit like that from knocking shit over. The air he he made a rig that would the air would blow the fucking scraps all over the place and clear the vision for the camera. That's crazy. Very innovative. Impressive. So yeah, what happens. That's Batman villain shit. Like when someone who's smart is fucking angry, you know, you know, it's a perfect example. He, I mean, he just used, he used his only skill, which was, which is a really good skill. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Possible. He Meyer has pushed his machine too hard. A few minutes after that, the bulldozer totally shut off. Thankfully, downtown Granby is out of danger. But then, something no one expects. My tactical team leader uh, notified me by radio that a gunshot had been heard coming from inside the bulldozer. Unsure what to expect, two officers scramble onto the machine. Moments later, they make a chilling discovery. They were able to uh, peer inside the bulldozer at that point and determine that Mr. Hemeyer had taken his own life. Marvin Hemeyer's rampage was a suicide mission. He welded himself into his own. So there it is. I uh, I saved some YouTube comments that I wanted to read, just because when you read the comments, you get an idea of what how the savages are thinking, you know. Yeah. Chinchilla Hat says, They keep saying that everybody barely made it out in time. The thing is, that bulldozer moves so slow, everyone had plenty of time to move and leave. I think Marvin knew that. If he really wanted to go on a killing spree, he would have had a gun. It would have been a lot easier than than building this thing for a year. He wanted to destroy property. Which is true. Very true. That's He's nutty, but controlled nuttiness. Organized chaos. Yeah. So ZZZWY says, Marv kicked ass. The town's elite made this documentary to portray themselves as the good guys, making themselves look even more rotten, which I agree with. Like I said, I think like the net, the Netflix thing was so... The narrative just seems so much different and more biased than the YouTube stuff. A lot of people on YouTube seemed a lot more like us, like more balanced. Like, yeah, it was nutty. It was crazy. He should, like, if he was, if he didn't kill himself, he should go to prison. Like, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you you see, like, a piece of you wants to do that, but you don't because you know it's wrong. It's just... Do you know what I'm saying? People on YouTube saw both sides of it for what it was. They could be honest. And then you see uh, Netflix and it was very establishment opinion. Well, yeah, of course, they're going to they're not going to want to encourage this type of. Yeah, but if Netflix always has establishment opinion shit, I'm not going to want to watch any of their documentaries. Well, I think we're already at that point, aren't we? Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, like you, I didn't, I, I still haven't watched the fucking Jeffrey Epstein Netflix thing. Me neither. Exactly. But um, it's, it, it is all propaganda. It, they know how much power they have over the influence of people. Netflix. So Radio Blue Heart says, the Thompsons and Cody Dochiff 
are nothing out of the ordinary. They are the town bosses. Every town in America has them. Two or three obscenely rich families or individuals that control a town and are surround and the surrounding county politically and economically. They keep themselves up by keeping others down. So yeah, that's actually summed up really well in one comment. That's mm-hmm. why I saved that one. Because yeah, there are especially the small towns. I mean the big towns obviously, but you you'd be surprised a lot of these small towns or smaller towns are are really locked down by a few families or even one family. Well, yeah, there's usually one big business of some kind that brings in bigger city folk. Um, and the concrete business was probably one of them. So the mo- if, if the city it's can make, make a money, lot of money off of it, they're going to invest in the other one. And I think I think the main thing that he did wrong, besides the the rampage he went on, was fucking with Cody about moving the price up. If he if he would have said a million yeah, sure. at the get go, if that's true, if that is true, there is dispute. And like a lot of the sources I read, and the tread tread is like it has all the people who are alive has all their opinions. You should honestly, it's interesting to watch because the people that are friends with Cody and the, and like the Thompsons, they look like a. If you watch it, it looks like they're lying. It looks like they're just afraid of getting their ass beaten. It just looks like they're lying. They don't look genuine or like it's an interesting documentary. I got like, I am a conspiracy theorist kind of guy who likes to overanalyze things sometimes, but I got the opinion that they're full of shit and they're, they're kind of, I mean, Marvin's gone and all, all he has is his recordings. Um, and I think they're lying about a few things, you know, but I could think I could also be wrong about that. I think he probably talked the price up, but it's hard to believe he wanted to go all the way up to a million. In either way, it's like the whole rezone, the whole zoning thing is the thing that I understand the most. I think that's fucked up. There's no real way to talk their way out of that. They they, they fucked him. Um, yeah, I mean by by. I think by the time that thousand dollars, dude. Could yeah. you imagine? I think by the time he was ready to pay that money. Or, you know, because he probably would have, think about it, he he had it. It's twice the price of the property. Yeah, but if he could have done that, then he could have sold it for a million bucks. So I think by the time he decided he was going to, or that yeah. it was even plausible, the concrete company wouldn't let to. him. Yeah, it's definitely more complicated than we even understand or we could fit into a, a podcast. And I, I I would say I'd dive in deeper to it, but I'm going to move on to the next topic. But like, I'm sure it's more complicated. And if you talk to people closer to Marvin, you'd get more answers than from a Netflix documentary, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just seeing the big plays, the highlights Definitely. and yep. it's, it's pretty lopsided. Um, yep. If all he did was, What's up? If all he did was keep changing the price that doesn't constitute, you know, bullying him out of the property. Yeah. And it's also, it could be there, there, phrasing it like he's a fucking an ungrateful dick who's you know bad at business ethics but it could also just be him negotiating we don't really know the full context of it or or how many times he went how many times he went back in what period of time he did you know what i'm saying yeah we just don't know the the full story it could be written out to make him seem like a dick but i I see both sides too when I, i was like all right i mean no one's perfect 
But I think the main main part of the story is what happens when someone who has nothing to lose feels totally disenfranchised, like what they're what they're willing to do, like sane people. The dispute, I think, gets muddy, and we'll never really know the full truth of the dispute because Marvin's gone, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So Very Shlomo sad. Levi said, "If he had not committed suicide, he would have. Um, all right, if he had not committed suicide, I would have thought he be, he believed that this is a real American hero. This motherfucker doesn't know how to. He doesn't know English. I think what he meant is, if he didn't commit suicide, I would think that this is a real American hero." How do you, how do you feel about that? Do you think what, that the like, suicide takes away from that from the story or from people no. really think suicide is is cowardly? But was he going to rot in prison? Yeah, rot in prison and be labeled a, a potential terrorist and all this stuff that isn't true and just be tormented forever his entire life. I mean, he was going to kill himself anyway. He got rid of his um, his business because he couldn't. He couldn't keep it anymore. He had no more money, so he couldn't move anywhere. He would have been homeless. And he couldn't even sell his fucking bulldozer. Yeah. So even if he wanted to go out the other way, it was like, okay, fine, I'll walk away and I'll, you know. But he he had reached that point where he was he, he was going to kill himself anyway. So it's instead of looking at it like he's going to go out and then and then deal with the consequences, I think it was like he's he said, I'm if I'm going to go out, I'm going to take out some some properties with me i mean he just ran over the front of buildings really if if this thing was coming at you from across the parking lot you could just step to the side before it even got close to you so it 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 really wasn't something that was you know it was intimidating looking and it had guns inside which i think that was the worst part but i don't think him him killing himself i think he was going to go out anyway yeah i mean he didn't have a way out of the bulldozer. He would just got dragged out and put in prison. And yeah, exactly what you said. Um, one more, one more comment. This one is from David Hook. The most dangerous animal in the animal kingdom is the cornered animal. It will do anything and everything to fight to survive. Marv was cornered and had no other alternative. And they paid dearly, uh, and they paid dearly. Mission point and blood of Marvin is on their hands. It's true. Yeah. Basically, you know, saying what we've been saying the entire podcast. It's a tale as old as time. The human, um, the, the, the guy who, had, like Gladiator, you know, that's what Gladiator's about. He loses his family. And it's when you, when you don't have anything left, you, you, you can do pretty crazy things yeah so so we will end the podcast going back to that quote a very powerful quote i was always willing to be reasonable until i had to be unreasonable sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things so thank you guys for listening to the first Zoo's News Presents. And hopefully there'll be many, many more and they'll get better and better. Do you have anything to add, Culture Cat? No. uh, I mean, besides just go, if you're interested, there's plenty of things you can look at. I mean, I definitely advise looking up the pictures 
Um, yep. And watch just track. to this. Yeah, and watch just track. YouTube the shit out of it. It's super interesting to look into it. And let us know what you think. If he was a patriot or a terrorist. Yeah. Was he a good guy or was he a bad guy? All right. Thank you guys for listening to the show. And we will be back next month. The last week of the month. Every month. We love you guys. See you later. Please follow the Zoo's News on Instagram and Twitter. Listen to the podcast on Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Spricker.com, and www.thezoo'sNews.com. Yo, we're not the black news, the white news. We're not the left news or the right news. We're not the gay news, no, we tell it straight news. We're not the Jews news, bitch, we're the Zeus news. We're not the black news, the white news. We're not the left news or the right news. We're not the gay news, no, we tell it straight news. We're not the Jews news, bitch, we're the Zeus news. Just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you guys very much for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to Culture Cat and I. The Zoo's News Podcast is now on Spotify, where all the cool kids hang out, I'm hearing. So that is good news for you and for us, I suppose. So go on Spotify, subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends. And uh, again, we really appreciate you guys listening. We will see you guys next week.